This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 128. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst, and my husband, Brett, and I are marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Well, today's episode is called Money in Marriage. And since we're at the very top of a brand new year, we wanted to give you a special treat. Our guests on the podcast today are The Money Couple— a.k.a. Megan and Taylor Kovar. Uh, the Kovars are fellow Texans, and they go by The Money Couple, and they provide a tremendous service, which is to help encourage married couples how to manage their finances better. And of course, we can all use a little help in that area. Well, my recent conversation with them was about the importance of learning each other's money personality, which is a real thing, as well as some other helpful nuggets. And they are a delight. And so without further delay, we give you Megan and Taylor Kovar, the money couple. Enjoy. Well, welcome to Marriage to the Max. And I want to welcome our special guests, Megan and Taylor Kovar, aka The Money Couple. We are so excited to have you guys. Welcome to Marriage to the Max. Thank Thank you. you. We're excited about being here. Yes. Good, good. Well, you know, money, boy, what a hot topic. (laughs) In fact, Brett and I talk all the time about how, you know, marriage experts say that the two hot button issues in marriage are money and sex. And yep. that they are, that seem to be the two issues that are the least talked about in marriage. Right. And so there's, I, I wonder about the correlation between, you know, avoiding the topic of something and maybe the topic never improving, you know? So, so my first question to you guys is what in the world was it about helping people with their money that appealed to you? How did y'all get started in this, this kind of work? Yeah. Um, so I'll jump in. So um, when I was young and growing up, my parents were blue collar workers. I mean, live paycheck to paycheck. And so that was the example I had growing up, right? Was um, you basically live paycheck to paycheck, right? You spend whatever comes in the door, you live on overtime and credit cards. Megan came from a house where her parents were entrepreneurs and had a very different financial upbringing. And we didn't really realize it. Uh, even though we were dating in high school, we didn't realize such an impact it would be until I went and bought out, I bought a brand new Mustang when I was 18, right? Because I was trying to impress her and uh, they had just come out with a new body style and I was going to be cool and um, realized pretty quickly that I could not afford both rent and a car notes and all the other things. And so during that time, I came to her and I was like, hey, I need to borrow some money for rent. And she's like, hey, if you think we're going to get married one day, you got to kind of figure this thing out. You know, we realized during that conversation that that was something that neither of us really knew a lot about money. We both had our different backgrounds and experiences, but didn't know a ton. And so um, eventually I I ended up working myself out of debt. We studied finance. Um, I went and got a degree in finance and started an investment firm. And that really... uh, through that has just taught us a lot about money. And through that, we learned about the five money personalities and um, yeah. our ambassadors for it. Yeah. That's great. So now how long have you guys been married and how long were you married before you started actually doing the money couple stuff? Well, we've been married for 
14 years. 14, yeah. We just had our 14th anniversary. Congratulations. Um, like we said, we're high school sweethearts. So even though we're pretty young, we've been together for over 20 years at this point. Yeah. Married for 14, three kids. And then we started with yeah, the so money we, personalities. Yeah, so that was a few years ago. I realized in our financial firm that uh, we were creating these great financial plans. And you know, it always just felt like when we were doing reviews that one of the spouses wasn't just super excited. So if we were going really risky or aggressive, you know, the husband may be really excited about it and the wife's, you know, sitting there like, uh, you know, I don't really love that or vice versa. And I saw some of the same similarities in our relationship. And so started doing some digging as far as like the psychology of money, right? And how we think about it and stumbled across Scott and Bethany Palmer and the five money personalities. So they were the original money couple. And so we implemented, uh, started studying that a few years ago and building a relationship with them and then had the opportunity last year to actually take over the brand and the five money personalities and really be the face of it. So it's been a really fun ride these last 12, 13, 14 months <laughs> and uh, we're doing our best uh, to fill our shoes. Yeah, that's right. awesome. So you said the last few months, did y'all kind of take over right before COVID or like what was the timeline there? During, During COVID. COVID. <laughs> Yeah, during COVID. So I think that gave a, a light for everybody. And and Scott and Bethany were sitting there saying, hey, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, they had their kids were graduating and uh, they were saying, hey, we're really ready to kind of pass this torch on and and have, you know, another couple kind of take it on. And so uh, we were just in the right spot at the right time because of the relationships that we had already built with them. And uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yes, we were happy to take that torch and keep on running with it. Yeah, yeah we're, that's we're very fantastic. passionate about uh, growing thriving marriages, happy yeah. thriving marriages. And that, a big part of that is is money. And as you mentioned, money and sex are those two hot button issues. And we say a lot of times, you know, it's easier to spend money and easier to have sex and it is actually talk about it. And <laughs> so uh, somebody has to try to, you know, have people talk about it. So, yeah. That's absolutely right. Well, that's so exciting. I'm I'm so uh, happy to meet you guys. Hopefully we'll get to do something in person uh, together at some point. That would be a lot of fun for us. So, okay. So on a scale of one to 10, how important do you think it is to regularly discuss finances for married couples? Yeah, an 11. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's super important. You know, money is one of the still the leading cause of divorce. And so mm-hmm. I have a big saying you can't manage what you can't measure. And so uh, we're always looking for couples and ways for them to, to talk about money together. And so I tell people, hey, once you have that first big conversation and the awkwardness is out of the way and everything's on the table, from then on, those money huddles, right, which may only be 15, 20, 30 minutes every few weeks, every few months, depending on your situation, becomes so much easier. And so for us, we keep, you know, we have a budgeting app that we utilize. We have a spreadsheet with, you know, all of our different goals and things on it. And uh, so it's really just kind of a review every now and then saying, hey, where are we at? Are we are we still on the right path? You know, how's our spending? Is somebody spending too much at Target or is somebody spending too much at, you know, Bass Pro? And so, uh, you know, we work on, we, it's just kind of a catch up. And so uh, after those first couple of conversations, it's a lot easier, but we believe open and honest communication is really, really important. So being transparent in those, those conversations. Yeah, I love the term money huddle. That's a great thing to call it. Brett and I, when we were, we we called it our business meeting. And we would, on Sunday night, we would sit down for about half an hour and we'd go over our money bills coming up and how much is in the account and all that. And we'd look at our calendar for the week and see what was coming up. And that was just our, we called it our business meeting. And we, we, you know, just wasn't a big, long come to Jesus kind of conversation. It was just a check-in, but I like that money huddle term. That's a great, great thing to call it. 
Yeah, I grew up playing sports, so it's a uh, you know a huddle like a football game. You know, you're not. It's really quick, and and you're in and out, and everybody's just getting on the same page, and then going to do your thing. So yeah, um, it's been a it's been a lifesaver for us. Yeah, so. it amazes me what the work that Brett and I do with couples. It amazes me how few couples actually just know where their money's coming from, where it's going. Like they just, it's a it's amazing that as we deal with money every single day of our lives. You know, in fact. Jesus talked a lot about money in the New Testament, a lot, uh, you know, because we're connected to money every single day. I read a statistic once that said a third of our waking hours, we're either thinking about money, earning money, saving money, you know, it's just a huge piece of our lives. And yet so few couples talk about it. I don't, I don't know where the breakdown is, or we must've all learned culturally that it's uncouth to talk about money or something, but it just amazes me how few couples are like, yeah, we talk about money all the time. You know, it's something you see a lot and and you see a lot like in our financial practice where we sit down and say, okay, Hey, we're actually going to like, where's your financial plan? You know, what budget do you guys work off of? Where's all the accounts? And so often somebody's like, Oh, well, no, I actually do have this other credit card. Or after the meeting, I'll get an email. Hey, uh, I also have this loan that they don't know about. Right. Or yeah. this or that. And it's like, Hey, <laughs> It'd be really great to have that in your marriage, right? If you would live about it. And so, yeah. Absolutely. You hinted about this earlier, but was it pretty early in your own relationship? Megan, I'll ask you this, that that you recognized the differences in how you thought about money, handled money, talked about money. What, were y'all really just complete opposites or what? what was that like early on? Oh yeah, we were complete opposites. And we like to say, you know, first opposites attract and then opposites attack. Yes. <laughs> and we um, we very early realized that we didn't think the same about money. But like I said, we were pretty young. So as we got older, um, before we had gotten married, you know, he tells the story of him going out and buying the brand new Mustang to impress me. That was the last thing in the world that would. <laughs> it did ever not impress, impress you. <laughs> someone the complete like opposite. Me. The complete opposite. I yes. I just had to act like I was super excited about this car, but but no, I um, <laughs> I did not feel the same way about money um, as he did. Like he said, he grew up very blue collar, and um, I grew up. My parents owned their own business, and um, we just we just didn't think the same as mm-hmm. about money. Yes, makes oh, sorry. I was going to dance. Makes family is very big on saving, right? So saving and that security of hey, you know, when you're a business owner, it's it lives and dies by you. And so, if you're not making the money and you're not saving the money, then then there's nobody else to fall back on. You know, you're not getting a paycheck every Friday. And so that was her mentality growing up. Was you know, you have to save it because you don't know when the next customer is going to come in the door or you know Mm -hmm. the next sale. And so, where I was coming from, a spender mentality of, Hey, we got to spend and, and, you know, we're getting a paycheck next week. And so we take these risks and that really, uh, it showed out when I bought that car. Um, <laughs> not, right. in a good way. not in a good way. Yeah. So y'all, y'all probably talk in terms of life before the Mustang life after the Mustang, you know, yes. <laughs> it was kind of a big turning point for us. Yes. yes. I love it. I love it. So I want to get in a little bit, a minute about the uh, many personalities, but before that, I'll just ask you, cause we were just t- kind of talking about how we grew up. How does the way our family of origin dealt with money? To me, it's just a natural idea that it would just follow us into adulthood, you know, follow us into marriage. What's y'all's experience with working with other couples as to how strong those ties are? 
Yeah. You know, for me, I would say that it really does matter how you grew up. You know, and a lot of times as we're kids, we don't realize what's going on until we're older and we, we get a chance to look back. Right. So I didn't realize just how um, poor, right. My family was growing up until I, I grew up and realized what was going on. Um, but when you see what you, what, how your parents handle money, and then I can go back and look at, you know, our grandparents and everything else, you know, how you handle money is a big part of your DNA. It's just like almost eye color and, and hair color. And so we believe that you're born with these money personalities. So, so while the environment you were raised in can definitely have a direct impact on how you view and manage money, it's, it's born with us from the very beginning. So a good, good example of this, right, is watching our kids handle Halloween candy. And we think about it, you know, some kids like to trade candy, some like to save candy. We have one child who, who just wants to, you know, he wants to keep his candy all year long. So, <laughs> hey, I have 24 pieces of candy. I'm going to eat two a month. And, you know, this yes. is that. And so even looking at that, we can see, hey, one kid really likes to save and be really conscious with it. And the other is like, I want to eat all of it tonight and then throw it up and then eat some more. Right. So um, <laughs> and then we have another kid that just wants to trade all of the candy and get yeah. exactly yeah. what they want. So yeah, those personalities show up really early. Yeah. So, and we're always just trying to teach our kids about the different money components that and they'll encounter and why certain things cost more than other things. So we just make this a daily part of our life. And um, when we go to the grocery store, we'll be like, okay, so let's look at the cereal. Why are the huge bags of cereal down at the bottom two bucks, but the name brand that's in the little box up on that, you know, eye level shelf is four bucks. So we just talk about different things all the time and um, hopefully they'll remember them as they grow up and start making their own money choices. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah, Brett and I talk a lot about how different we grew up. You know, I I came from a family that was very much a paycheck to paycheck kind of family. My parents were both very hard workers and, you know, did very well at their their jobs, but they, you know, just wasn't we just didn't have a whole lot of luxury, you know, where my husband Brett came from a family that did and his dad was obviously a very hard worker, but he was a self-made, had a very successful construction business. And so they got to take fun trips and have nice cars and a big house and all of that. And uh, not ostentatious in any way, but just different from what I, you know, experienced. And so when we first got together, I was, even though I came from kind of a more meager, you know, story, I still wanted to have fun with money. Like, Hey, we're married now. Let's, let's spend, let's have fun. And he was like, no money in the bank is, you know, that's what we. Sounds pretty pretty similar. Yeah. What I find so interesting is we've been married 34 years now. We just celebrated uh, our anniversary last week and somewhere, thank you. Somewhere along the way, we sort of started to morph into each other's style. And so I, somewhere along the way, started really getting jazzed about saving money. And I actually do the budget and the spreadsheets and all that and the, you know, kind of paying of the bills, the daily stuff. And then I sort of, you know, influenced him to have a little fun with money. Like, you know, it's some, sometimes it's okay, you know, to spend a little money and enjoy it. It's kind of part of life. One thing I want to get you guys to tell us about is you know, without giving away the store and, you know, giving away y'all's whole thing, tell us a little bit about money personalities and why it's so important to not only know your own money personality, but your spouse's as well. Definitely. So I'll jump in. Uh, So again, you know, we found these many personalities because I was dealing with it in our own relationship and with the relationships I saw in our clients. And so every single person, right, has what we call a, a money personality combination. 
Uh, we've identified five different money personalities, but everybody has a combination of, of what we call a primary and secondary. And so your primary money personality, which is what you operate out of most of the time. So that's that's your who you are the majority of the time. And then you have a secondary money personality, um, which we like to refer to as the backseat driver, right? So your secondary money personality accounts for about 15% roughly of your money-related decisions, but it's super important that you understand the, the difference of primary and secondary because this is where you'll oftentimes run into the, like what we kind of, kind, of, kind of call an opposite dynamic. And so... So neither of us have an opposite dynamic um, in our own money personalities. I'm a saver security seeker and Taylor is a spender risk taker. So um, we are literally polar opposites when it comes to money personalities. So it's really important to know your spouse's money personality combination because you have to be able to understand each other. Yeah. So it's a lot sure. like the five five love languages, right? If you know, you know, they're not they're not excuses, right, on how to handle things, but it does help give you a little insight into you know, your life and how to communicate better with your spouse. Yeah, because we if we're going off of our own perspective, whether it's love languages or money personalities or anything else, and we're only seeing the way we see things, you know, we're going to have kind of a limited view of understanding our spouse for sure. So tell us what are the many, what are the names of the many personalities and give us maybe just a little tiny description of each one. Yes. Yeah, so we have the first one is, is a saver and then a security seeker. So um, very so kind of self-explanatory, right? Or try to. So savers like to save money. So they like to find a good deal. They like to make sure that they have money always in their possession. Um, so in, in our relationship, Meg always wants to be able to see in the bank account that we have X number of dollars, right? So whereas I may want to see that, you know, in an investment somewhere, whether that's a rent house, right? Or something else, uh, you can't really put a dollar amount there, but she likes to be able to see that dollar amount. And then her security seeker side, is one where, hey, if you're going to buy a hammer, right? You go to Lowe's and you go to pick out a hammer, you can buy the dollar hammer or you can buy the $20 hammer. And you know, if you buy that dollar hammer, you're going to buy that dollar hammer every, you know, six months until the day you die. And, but her security series has to say, you know, I'll spend that 20 bucks this one time and I'll have that hammer for the rest of my life because it is, it's security. You know, it's, it's almost a security blanket. And then uh, on the other side of the, the quadrant, right? We have spenders, risk takers, and flyers. So spenders like to spend money and that's me. I love to spend money. So I don't mind spending money for that experience, right? So if we're going to have an experience, I love to spend the money. Used to when we were when we were um, not as fortunate or, or wealthy as we are now, not that we're super wealthy, but I would come home on Fridays like, hey, let's pull up the name your own price website for a hotel and let's just go, right? We'll spend a hundred bucks and, and try to make sure that you still see that we're not spending a ton of money, but we get to go have these experiences and we get to spend some money. And then, uh, right, right? I mean, that's yes. that's what we did. The spender in him, I think of um, us going on a road trip down the coast and we go past this restaurant that he had been to before with just him and adult, you know, buddies we have our three little kids and he's like, Hey, let's go to this restaurant. That's a hundred bucks a plate with our three <laughs> children. And Wait, do kids go. eat free at this restaurant? No, no, no. it was, no. The, you know, in my mind, it was the same experience I'd had years before yeah. with three little kids. <laughs> Not the best decision I ever made. Not That's the awesome. best. <laughs> One yeah. of the more expensive decisions we've made, yes. but, but yeah. I try to jump on board and, and be supportive sometimes, but even that decision, that yeah. was 
that was one we had a disagreement on. <laughs> Which leads to our risk taker, right? So the fourth one we have, running force now is risk taker, where we like to, I, and we risk takers like to take risk. Um, and so for that, it was like, hey, it's worth the risk. Let's go have this great meal. And hopefully the kids will be good this time, right? They and hopefully weren't. they'll eat the food. Uh, they they were not. didn't. Um, <laughs> And then we have flyers who really money is not a big thing for them. It's all about the relationship. So if they know that you're having a bad day, they're going to go buy you a candle. They're going to buy you something. They're, it's not a concern. You know, they're not looking at the budget. They, they really just don't care that much about money. It doesn't have a hold on them. Yeah. And there's very few people that are flyers but they are magnets. So these are people that, you know, they're social butterflies. They're always around other people typically. And people are drawn to them because they're kind of loosey goosey right there. They're fun. Um, and they don't care that, okay, well that, that food costs, you know, $3 versus $30. They're just there to have a good time and make sure that other people are, are having fun as well. So, yeah. yeah. That's an interesting way of putting that. I've never, I've never really thought about the flyer concept as just someone who is really, like you say, more interested in the relationship that they're having with someone than what's in the checking account, you know? Yeah. So I, I love how you said too, about uh, like the buying the hammer, the $1 hammer versus the $20 hammer, because I think when a lot of people think of, oh, someone's a saver, you know, that automatically means that they're a penny pincher, that they're not going to buy anything nice or, you know, mm-hmm. anything like that. But I like the way you said that, like it's it's actually seeking a little bit of security and buying something that's worth spending the money on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where, you know, Megan and I, so she shops more than I do, which is, you know, typical in a relationship usually, <laughs> but she's always finding a good deal, right? So, uh, you know, if it's a shirt, then she's going to make sure it's a good deal. And that's part of that saver mentality of, hey, I want it, but I'm going to wait till I can get a good deal on it. And so um, it's been... Yeah. And one of the differences between me as a saver and Taylor as a spender is I would rather have 10 $7 shirts because I enjoy, you know, I actually do enjoy spending the money, but I like having a good deal on it. Whereas he would rather spend that $70 on one shirt. Okay. Yeah. That that's good to kind of parse that out and understand the difference there too. You know, I feel like the topic of money is something we could just talk about forever and ever. But I one concept that I really am interested in, and mainly because we've met with so many couples where this has come to light, financial infidelity. What is yeah. your definition of what that is? Is there an easy definition of what that financial infidelity is? Yeah, you know, it's, it's for us, it's any type of lie, hidden money, something that makes you pause right before you answer, um, that hesitation, you know, a money secret. And so when we talk about financial infidelity, you know, it can be as small as hiding the fact that you get in, you know, a large coffee, right? Instead of uh, you drink the coffee at home, right? Or, or, or a small coffee to all the way to, you know, not talking about debt from a, a secret credit card or multiple mm-hmm. secret credit cards. And so it, it kind of takes different approaches and there's several different levels to money um, infidelity. We actually have a, a quiz on our website that people can take, but financial infidelity, is, it's huge. And it, it really does help bring up, it helps pull couples together once they recognize that, hey, you know, putting that little money aside that your spouse doesn't know about or having that mad money account, it can be detrimental. It can be just as detrimental as, as a physical adultery may would be to your relationship when those, those secrets or lies uh, become exposed. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think the difference is between, you know, say, full-on transparency where both partners know every dollar has gone to, you know, where where every dollar has gone versus having an agreement that say each of you has 
$200 a month that you can sort of spend on your own discretionary spending and you don't have to account for every, where, where do you think that falls for couples and what, what's a healthy balance there? Yes. You know, every couple is different. And so, you know, every relationship is different. Our family origins are different the way, you know, culturally there's things. Uh, but for us, it's all about that transparency. And so uh, for, for a while, Megan and I both gave each other an allowance every week, right? So we had a joint account and then we each had an allowance that we kind of got to spend that money on whatever we wanted to. The issue we see what typically happens is if uh, we each have separate accounts, but there's not that transparency. And it's not that it's no, they're not trust. It's just, I want Megan to always know, hey, at any point you can get in there and see what I may or may not have been spending money on. And we both agree, you don't have a say in it, right? Mm -hmm. So if I want to spend it all on, you know, one really nice meal or a new golf club, you know, that's, it's my, it's kind of my money I get to spend right Mm -hmm. now. If, if she gets on there and sees, oh, you stayed at the Four Seasons, it's a little different of a conversation, right? So, <laughs> exactly. um, and so that's, that's where we say, hey, you know, had, you can, there's no problem with each uh, spouse kind of having their own money. You are individual adults. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but as long as you're transparent in it, um, it, it helps build that trust. Yeah. Right? And that's what we want. We want to build a trusting, healthy, thriving relationship. Yeah. And that doesn't happen when there's always these what ifs in the back of the mind. So, yeah. so is that kind of what you recommend to couples that if you do have separate accounts or separate credit cards that you sort of have access to one another's so that you can create that transparency? We do. So we typically, for 99% of couples, we recommend you, you merge your finances, right? You have one one account that's just for you guys and you know you share the same credit card account you say this share the same savings with a big saying that we're always on the same team right so Megan and I are on the same team um and as being on the same team we we share the same team resources um and we're excited if if Megan's the one that hits the home run today or I'm the one that hits the home run tomorrow and we're both excited for each other cuz we're on the same team but if i understand you know there's there's different dynamics that at pl- that are at play and so if if you have to have separate accounts, we do say, hey, make sure the other person has has the login, right? It keeps you honest, keeps them honest. And again, it just, it gives that transparency and transparency breeds trust, which breeds a thriving relationship. Yeah, I totally agree. Brett and I, from the very beginning, we we have always merged our finances. And, and it's interesting, we did that back in the day, you know, we got married when I was 20, he was 26. And so we didn't have a dollar between us. I mean, we were just as poor church mice, you know. Yep. And so it was interesting because we joined everything together because we didn't have anything. <laughs> like it was yeah. just like, right. might as well start from. But as we've, you know, worked hard and saved and earned a good living and all of that, we've still kept everything together. Like we just don't have anything separate. And I know a lot of couples are like, you know, because we work with a lot of premarital couples. Do we do our premarital training classes and that sort of thing? And that's one of the questions is, do we have to merge our money? And I'm always just kind of like the idea of what you just said. Well, as long as the transparency is there, it's kind of just a logistical thing of whether or not you have a credit card in your name. And, you know, the main thing is that, do we know where the money's going? You know, do we know... And and are we on the same page as far as our values go? Brett and I have kind of our own little discretionary. uh, I have a little, you know, American Express in my name and he's got one in his name. And we use it for, you know, the Target charges and the Amazon. You know, he's more Amazon. I'm more Target. I mean, I can go and Target and drop a lot of money (laughs) as you probably can too, Megan. (laughs) But we girls love Target. But um, it's interesting. I think back to when we were first married and how small the discretionary spending was. I mean, literally there were times where 
we might say, okay, you've got $20. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you can yep. spend $20 on something that you want, you know. And, but, you know, I look back at those, those times and I mean, they were sweet times, you know, we didn't, we never went without, you know, we never missed a meal or missed a mortgage payment or anything, but we didn't have anything on top of that. You know, there were times where we just got our bills paid, but those were still very sweet times, even though they were very, very lean. Yeah. And that's what, you know, we, we teach a newlywed class at our church and, mm-hmm. and do a lot of things online. And we tell people, you know, you get to, it's not fun being in those times, right. Of lean and it's not fun going through it, but it's so beneficial to relationships, you know? So uh, we recommend to several of like, Hey, don't, don't help your kids, right. Let, let them, let them struggle a little bit yeah, because it forces them to act as a team. It forces mm-hmm. them to work together. And so diamonds are formed under pressure. And, you know, Megan, and I, I feel like we have a knock on wood, have a great relationship today, but a lot of it's because we were forced to have a great relationship mm-hmm. back then. You know, we were, there was no entertainment because we were too poor to have entertainment. So it was like, hey, uh, exactly. we've got to get along, right? Because we're yeah. stuck together. And so, um, you know, but it, it really did. It, it, you know, diamonds are formed under pressure. And I think marriages are the same way. And so um, when couples go through a little bit of financial difficulty, it makes you say, hey, how are we going to split this 10 bucks that we have left over? You know? Exactly. Um, and we're excited about that 10 bucks. We oh, were. man. Yes. I still remember he and I going to this restaurant called Po folks, if you can believe that. <laughs> it was an old restaurant called Po folks, and we were so po that we had I to go to Po folks and split, you know, a hamburger. I mean, it was, oh, yeah. it was like, but you know, I, I think couples who, like you said, who are kind of forced to bond over things like making the hard decision of, do we pay the electric bill or do we pay mm-hmm. the whatever? You know, there's bonds that are formed in those lean times that I think couples who maybe just start out very affluent or very, they, they miss out on a little piece of that bonding. I think there's something about that when you're, when you don't have anything but each other, you know, to really form that good foundation. I love that. Absolutely. We completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in your work with couples, so what do you, what would you say the top issues around money are that couples that you guys work with what is it? Is it just that they don't communicate regularly? Is that they're very, very different? It, what, what, what would you say is the, the top issues around money that couples deal with? I think one of the things that's just, we all come into a relationship and we feel like the way that we think about money is the right way. And the mm-hmm. way that our spouse thinks about money is the wrong way. And that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. And so that's what, you know, where money personalities come into play is, we see that a lot, right? Everybody thinks, well, this is the way I grew up. This is the way money should be handled. Well, that's the way, you know, your family was wrong or you're wrong in that. And it's just the way we we think about money. And so, and and that causes a lot of people not to want to combine finances, right? So you, you said one of the top questions you guys get, do I have to combine our finances? We did a session today with, with um, a podcast and it was, do we have to share my money, right? And so, um, <laughs> you know, combining finances is a really big one. People just can't wrap their heads around it. But again, it goes back to, hey, you're on the same team. And if we get get couples in that mindset of, hey, if we can get on the same team with our with our money, right? And if we can combine those, everything else becomes so much easier. Because um, mm. again, if we can talk about money openly, then we can talk about sex openly. If we can talk about money and sex openly, there's nothing left on the table that we can't talk about. And <laughs> That's so, exactly um, right. Yeah, so. Yeah, good, good. Well, I think I know the answer to this last question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Can managing your money well managing your money well actually improve your relationship? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all have our vows that we say, you know, and part of that's in sickness and in health for richer or poorer, for better or worse. 
you know, and, and you made that vow. And so um, if you can begin working on your financial situation, again, it bleeds into everything else. If you can really lay all your cards on the table and say, hey, here's where, where I have felt about money. And so we actually have a, we're releasing a deck of cards here in the next few weeks over questions to ask your, your spouse about money, right? And it just helps to build that communication because I don't know where to start. Yeah. Right. And so get just getting started somewhere is super important. But just having those questions, hey, what's your biggest money failure? Right. What's your biggest uh, money win? So, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's great. Oh, I'm excited about the cards coming out. We'll definitely get some of those and and promote those to our to our audience for sure. Well, Megan and Taylor, this has been so much fun. This has been such a nice conversation. And I know our listeners are encouraged and and hopeful. And even if they haven't had any money conversations recently, I I think this conversation will help them want to jump on board. Tell our listeners where they can find you guys online. It's very easy, themoneycouple.com. So themoneycouple.com or the money couple across all the social media channels. We have free quizzes, free assessments you can take, a lot of free resources as far as helping to start those conversations. We actually have a kids money course we just released the other day that parents can actually take with their kids. And so it's geared for a family and it just walks you the parent through how to communicate that way. And then it's coloring pages and activities and all kinds of things to start those relationships uh, and talk about money openly, even as a young age. And so uh, we'd love to connect with uh, anybody that has questions, concerns, and um, share any resources we have. Awesome. Well, thank y'all so much for joining Marriage to the Max today. This has been a lot of fun and and we really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. 